0: We are going to continue with the uh, series on the Big Five that Pastor Matt started last week. Um, Hopefully you guys enjoyed the first installment of it as we're going to go through our core values. Wanted it a little more in depth. Uh, So as that reminder, let's look uh, quick what uh, one is that we're doing right now. Core value number one, we are running to keep up with Jesus. We will go wherever Jesus leads us. So... I want to start today with a little bit of a insight into where this core value came from. And and I'm sure you've had some of this shared with you. So I I brought a visual aid. Remember these, Jim? So when we got together as the different leadership teams and started this merger discussion, uh, we started putting these up on the walls down at Revo- Revolution Building where we would meet on a weekly basis, and they just became more and more. These are all, this one's a blank one, but you can kind of get back here where we started really writing stuff, and we just started throwing out ideas and putting it up on a, on a piece of paper. And so I brought this because I want you guys to see for a moment what happened. There came a moment where we had these meetings, and everybody was throwing ideas up on the on the on these pieces of paper, and Jim's up there writing it, and it just kept getting fuller and fuller, and we just had page after page after page, and the whole wall was filled, and then we ended a meeting where, um, I don't know who said this, I'm assuming it was Matt, uh, but it, it ended up basically being this, hey, Jim and David, how about you guys take all these notes and, and try to make sense of it? Here you go. Yeah. Um, so Jim and I started that process. We, we met down there, just, just him and I, and, and we had all the notes up there, and we just started processing. Here's what was funny about it. When we first started talking, we kept brainstorming more. We were adding more to the pages. We were making it more complex as we started it. Jim, with his big, like, two-pound marker that he likes to carry around, he's up there just scribbling away and circling stuff, and, and, and it just, it was getting more and more complicated, And and there came a moment as we were talking about core value number one where I made this comment to Jim. I said, Jim, one of my desires has always been I want to be in a church that exists just trying to keep up with God. Like that's the kind of church I want to be in. I want to be in a church that is just trying their best to keep up with God. And let me explain what the meaning of that. The meaning of that was, when you read the book of Acts, it was not the the apostles, it was not the church that were having meetings on how do they grow the church. It was not the church that sat down and the leadership having strategy meetings where they were saying, how do we impact the community? How do we engage these people? How do we get into this next community? How do we do this? God was running, and they were just trying to keep up. Read Acts. That's, that, that's what was happening. Like, God was just like, boys, you don't have time to settle down. I'm going to the next town. You're, I'm taking. They were just running to keep up with the spirit of God that was moving. And that was the basis. I, I made that comment to Jim. I said, Jim, I would just love for once in my life to feel like I'm in a church that legitimately is just, man, We're just trying to keep up with what God's doing God's just all over the place And we're just trying to keep up God's just reaching people all over the place And we're just trying to keep up I mean, you know, I know some of us Might be struggling with You know, kind of this idea of multiple services Can I tell you something? I want to be in a church that has so many people Showing up, we're like, we gotta add like Five, six, seven more services Because There's just too many people showing up I mean, what do we do? God's moving and we're just trying to keep up Do you hear what I'm saying? That, that's where that came from So as we were talking And we were looking at Acts And we were talking about this That's what kind of birthed this language Hey, what if we're running Just to keep up with Jesus And, and by doing so We're going to go wherever Jesus Calls us to go We're going to go wherever Jesus leads us Now, I say all that to so then take you to another moment There was a moment where Jim and I had all these done, and we, we, we did the language for all the core values. And then we had a sheet for each one of them, and then Jim and I did the, the unveiling, right? Because remember that I mean, the leaders hopefully remember this. We, we came down to Revolution, and, and Jim and I had it all planned out. We had all of our sheets up there. We were going to unveil them one at a time, and, and then we were going to talk about them and see what people thought, and, and we were going to process some more and do whatever tweaking we needed to do. And I remember very vividly, we, we went through all of them, all five. And I remember us all, all sitting there, looking up at the wall. And, and the question kind of got proposed, or we, our conversation all, all of a sudden turned into what are you guys thinking? What are you feeling? What's your thoughts? And I would say, and I don't know how any of the other leaders feel about this, I feel like, don't get me wrong, all of our conversations were very honest. I mean, they were honest. We were straightforward. We were working together. But that was that moment where I think it it got really real. Right? Because we saw it all laid out in front of us, and everybody just kind of had that moment of, okay, that's what that means we were looking at all of the, all five of the values and i remember i said this this is what i was feeling and just to let you, this is what i was feeling and i shared this so i said listen i don't remember if it was at that moment or something. one time during our meetings i said this i was like listen um, core value number 1 excites me but it also scares me to death it's the most exciting value we have in my opinion but it's the scariest at the same time And I said, the reason it's the scariest Is because of that little statement that says We will go wherever Jesus leads us Because by saying that We're basically handing Jesus complete control See, there was that, you know There was that famous song a few years ago And it's kind of a punchline now But the whole Jesus take the wheel We love saying things like that When life gets out of control, right? Jesus take the wheel Because I've messed it up But what this says is Jesus, take the wheel And I'm never putting my hands on it again Like I, I, Another thing that I've always heard That makes me laugh is you, You've heard, probably heard this before You know, like If, if, if Jesus is your co-pilot, switch seats I, I remember hearing that before And it makes me laugh Because I think it's just foolishness Listen to me If Jesus is your co-pilot Get out of the seat and go set in the back He doesn't need you in the cockpit at all See, there's this problem with this idea of I'm going to be the co-pilot, meaning I'm going to help Jesus steer this thing. Jesus doesn't need you to steer anything. He needs you to get up, get out of the way, and get in the back. And he's going to say, I'm going to take this sucker where it needs to go. And are you willing to go wherever I lead you? See, it excites me and it scares me at the same time because, again, the reality. So I want to show us a picture here in a second. And, and you might have seen this. I've seen this a few years ago. It was the first time I've seen this. And, and it came to mind as I was processing this sermon. You've probably seen it online, on Facebook. Maybe you even shared it yourself. But this sums up this core value really well, all right? So th- this is it. you seen this before? Right? This sums up this core value perfectly. God comes along and says, hey, I got this cool, awesome plan for your life. And you're like, awesome, let's do it. And that's the reality. This makes me laugh because we just got back from Disney. (laughs) And I'm processing through the pictures. (laughs) And I can talk about her because she's not here. Um, But I had to laugh at my wife because I'm not joking. Every single ride we went on, even Splash Mountain, Splash Mountain. Anybody doesn't know what, it's like the log ride right at Adventureland. Splash Mountain. Every single picture of a roller coaster or anything that has a drop. Here is, it's me, my nine-year-old daughter, my seven-year-old daughter. We're like this. Here's my wife. (laughs) Not joking. Not joking. Like, I was cool with that with the roller coaster. When I saw it for Splash Mountain, I'm like, are you kidding me? Splash Mountain. But here's the thing. We can laugh at this picture, But I think there's also a nervousness At least when I laugh at this picture There's also a nervousness to it Because this picture speaks a lot more truth Than we realize Because when we truly commit to be people And a church That is running to keep up with Jesus And is willing to go wherever Jesus is going to go We have to be honest honest with ourselves That that means Jesus Is going to take us To places that are uncomfortable Scary And hear me on this even dangerous if we truly believe that following Jesus means what we will never have to be uncomfortable or in a place where we are potentially scared or even a place where we are potentially dangerous we have believed a lie straight from the pit of hell and this is why we wrestle and struggle with our Christian walk so much because God's trying to lead us somewhere and we're fighting him every step of the way because we think that God's number one priority should be our comfort God's like, I could care less about your comfort God says, I care about your holiness And I care about the lost And I care about using you To bring my kingdom and glory Into the darkest places of this world That's what Jesus cares about And this is why we struggle so much with this Because it takes us to places that we That, that are uncomfortable, places we don't want to go So I was processing this even for myself This merger Right I I love the fact that we have come together And we're going to do this together We're going to reach the the, the community And other communities for Jesus It's been an amazing Because God is awesome right I mean there were times where I'm not joking I came and walked in And I sat in Pastor Matt's office Like as the merger was coming to a close And I looked at him I was like dude have you ever had a moment Where you just looked at each other Like looked at yourself And said what in the world are we doing he's like, oh, yeah. But see, that's what it means to follow Jesus. It's like, what in the world are you doing? The disciples were in places all the time where they were looking at Jesus like, what in the world are you doing? And Jesus, in his grace and mercy and love and wisdom, would look at him and be like, just settle, boys. I got this. Come on. So I share that because this is not, the merger has not been an easy thing for me. And when I say the merger, I'm not saying like like coming together and all that kind of stuff. This was some difficulty for the last 2 years for me on a personal level. On a ministry level, on a family level, there were some rough seas that we had to go through. And there were moments where I mean, I had conversations with Matt about this. There were moments where I said, Matt, if this wasn't for if this was not of God, I would have walked away a long time ago. Cuz this ain't worth it. And I know someone's like, well, what, what, what did it look like? It, none of that matters because God's still awesome and God's good and Satan likes to get in there and cause problems and he wants to destroy what God's doing, and that doesn't matter. But I want to give you one thing that I, I, I'm still wrestling with. Not wrestling with, it's going to come to a conclusion tomorrow. Just as an example, when God came and said, hey, why don't you guys merge together? It caused some, some issues when it comes to my own ministry, and I want to give you one example that God's going to take you to uncomfortable places. I brought this because I had to find it because I needed to be ready. This, this is a sheet of paper that actually, this, this is my sheet of paper that says that I am a recognized elder in the Free Methodist Church. This basically says you're a pastor in the Free Methodist Church, the denomination that we were part of. I'm surrendering this tomorrow. So to to follow Jesus, to bring a hurting world, the hope of Jesus, means that tomorrow I'm going to take a piece of paper, and granted, it's just a piece of paper, but I'm going to take a thing that I worked for for several years of my life, and I'm going to hand it in, and I'm going to forfeit this, and I am no longer going to be a recognized elder of the denomination that I was born into, the denomination that I was saved in, the denomination that trusted me for the first time and said, here's a church. Because I made a choice to say, okay, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going I'm to go, and, and I'm going I'm to run to keep up with Jesus, and I'm going to let him take me to places that if it was up to me, I don't know if I'd want to do it. So I want us to understand that this is the reality of this value. This is not something we can take lightly. This is not something we can just rattle off like, yeah, that's our core value. This is foundational to everything. If we're not running to keep up with Jesus And we're not willing to go wherever Jesus goes Then can I, can I just hear me on this The other four values don't matter Hear that The other four values don't matter If we're not willing to go where Jesus takes us So I want to process a little bit through scripture and, and, and just so everybody knows If I ever feel like you feel like I'm rushing I am Because I actually got to go preach at First Baptist right after this So I'm kind of on a time crunch so let's jump into this a little bit Paul says this Paul says yes, everything else is worthless When compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord For his sake I have discarded everything else Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ Now, you've probably, you, if you've studied scripture If you've, you know, whatever, been in church You've probably heard this before But I want us to realize something here When Paul says yes, everything else is worthless I want us to insert two words there Paul says everything else is worthless the two words I want us to think about that are going to fly in the face of us living out this core value is this our comfort and our desire for control These are two things that are constantly going to come against us for living out this value. Our comfort and our desire for control. But what Paul's saying here is he says, listen, everything else is worthless, including my comfort and my need for control when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded my comfort and my desire for control, counting those as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? I've discarded these things. I didn't just set them off in the corner so that I can pull them out when I want to. He's like, I've thrown them in the dumpster. I've sent them down the road. They're now at the garbage heap. I've trashed them. Because he's like, I don't want my comfort and my desire for control to get in the way of experiencing everything that God wants me to experience. So what I want to do for a second? is I want to process with you some examples from Scripture and also from life in the church of people that have forsaken everything in order to run in keeping after Jesus, to going where Jesus has called them to go. Because I want us to all be on the same page of the the seriousness of this and what it potentially could look like. And I'm not doing it to scare any of us, but I want us— Here's the deal. I don't want anybody to ever walk away from here and be like, hey, they didn't give me the whole story here, right? That was the fine print. Why did we leave out the fine print? Anybody ever feel like you've gotten that in the church before? I remember being in churches in the church. You know, you grow up in church, and I remember being told, hey, come to Jesus because Jesus is going to make your life better. He's going to take away all your problems. I'm here to tell you, following Jesus brings a whole lot more problems. And I'm like, wait a minute. I got sold something false here. So, I want to be upfront and honest. Jesus was upfront and honest. Jesus told people, He's like, hey, follow me, but listen, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You want to follow me? I'm homeless. Come on. Hey, you want to follow me? You're going to be persecuted. Hey, you want to follow me? It's not always going to be sunshine and roses. But He also said things like, through you know, even uh, he said things through David through I walked walk, walk through the valley of the shadow of the death I have a funeral or evil because God is with me I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me We're going to get to that here in a second But anyways, here's the first one I want to talk about for a second So you got the disciples The disciples are preaching after Jesus' resurrection And they are told, knock this off And the religious leaders come And they, they put them on trial basically And say, knock this off And the disciples are like, listen, we're not going to listen to you Because we listen to him and we're going to do what he tells us to do and we're not going to listen to what you tell us to do And then this is what happens. They called the apostles and they had them flogged. They ordered them to never speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Listen here. This wasn't, they didn't get a little spank in here. They got flogged. They got beaten severely. I mean, picture this. When they were leaving the high council, they were probably just basically dragging themselves, bruised and bloodied. They weren't doing cartwheels when it says they were rejoicing because physically they couldn't. They were beaten to probably inches of their lives. But Scripture tells us they were rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. Right? So, so here's a first you know, first place. Now, another person I want to talk about for a second is Polycarp. I don't know how many people have ever heard of Polycarp. Polycarp was actually a disciple of the Apostle John. So Polycarp was like second-generation Christian, he was actually um, a bishop at the time. He was very high in the church. And all of a sudden it came down. They said, hey, there's a persecution breaking out upon the church. And they said, they're coming after Polycarp. Now, Polycarp was like in his 80s at the time, 90, I mean close to 90. The church came and they said, hey, they're coming after you. They're going to arrest you. We need to get you out of the city. We need to hide you. And they took Polycarp and they hid him. And as Polycarp was setting in this place where they were hiding him, God and him started having a conversation. And Polycarp said, oh, wait a minute, this is stupid. I ain't going to hide. I ain't hiding. And they're like, no, you gotta stay here because they're gonna kill you. If they're gonna they're gonna torture you, they're gonna do horrible things to you. You can't go back into the city. You can't come out of hiding. Stay here and be comfortable, Polycarp. Stay here and be safe. And this is what Polycarp said. Eighty and six years I have served him and he has done me no wrong. How then can I blaspheme my king and savior? He's like, I ain't hiding. Him. And they said, this is what he said when they when they said, Hey, when they, they arrested him, they said, Hey, deny your savior. And he's like, Listen, this is this is no. For eighty-six years I've served him and he's done me no wrong. I'm not turning my back on him now. And this is what he said to the people that are saying, We're gonna kill you unless you denounce your faith. Right before Polycarpus put to death, this is what he said. I bless you, Father, for judging me worthy of this hour, so that in the company of the martyrs I may share the cup of Christ. This is a man that was willing to follow Jesus wherever Jesus told him to go. And this was his attitude going into it. Now let's fast forward into a little bit more modern times. A person that I love to read about, I don't know if you've ever read anything about him, I love reading his books and about his life, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany during World War II. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of very few... Pastors in Germany that took a stand Against Hitler because one of the things Hitler did was he Came into the church and he started telling the church what they Were going to do and how they were going to do it and Bonhoeffer's like oh no you're not Well, because he became an enemy of Nazi Germany Bonhoeffer actually escaped Germany And he came to America And here he was in America And he was writing books here You you can go read uh, theological books that he wrote They're great, Cost of Discipleship is an amazing book I recommend anybody to read it He's writing books, he's teaching He's still serving the Lord And then all of a sudden God and him have a conversation Bonhoeffer's like, wait a minute I'm not supposed to be here I'm supposed to be in Germany Bonhoeffer left the safety of America. He could have lived out his days here, serving the church and serving the kingdom and teaching Christians how to be disciples of Jesus. But no, he left all of this and he goes back to Germany and he basically creates an underground opposition against Hitler. He's doing underground training of pastors, he's keeping the gospel alive in Nazi Germany. Bonhoeffer was arrested towards the end of World War II. Because he was part of some of the plots To try to assassinate Hitler And he was put in a concentration camp And I don't know what all took place when he was there But he, was, he wasn't there very long Because they didn't want him around Here's the deal Bonhoeffer was executed two weeks Before the camp he was in was liberated Two weeks Before the end of World War II And the camp that he was in was liberated He was put to death But this is the, one of the last things that Bonhoeffer wrote This is the end for me, the beginning of life. I wanted you to see some examples of people that have followed Jesus and the attitudes that they've had when they have to give up their comfort, when they have to give up their safety, and ultimately when they've had to give up their very lives. Because it should challenge us to say What is our attitude like when it comes to be a follower of Jesus What is our attitude like When we are put before the king of kings And he calls us to action And he calls us to do something And he calls us and we're like Lord that's an inconvenience Lord that's going to make me uncomfortable Lord that really doesn't fit with my schedule or my plan Lord, that, that just doesn't bode well for me right now. See, again, this is the seriousness of that first core value. It, it sets up everything. Now, I want to look a little bit at the life of Paul. Okay? So let's look at the life of Paul. Paul says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, and, uh, with plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, don't get me wrong. We should use that scripture for everything, right? Like, I should rely on God's strength for everything. But what I thought was funny is when I got to thinking about how I use that passage of scripture or how I hear other people using it, a lot of times we use that passage of scripture with things like, Lord, I got this person at work that I really just want to choke out. But, Lord, I know I'm not supposed to, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? Right? That's how we use it. We, we use it in very, just hear me on this, very trivial things when you really stop, think about the context of what Paul is talking about. Notice what Paul, when Paul said this, Paul's saying, listen, I know how to live starving or with a full belly. He's like, I know how to live with all of my needs met or none of my needs met. He's like, I know how to live in the worst of situations or the best of situations. And that's when he says, because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Like, this is so powerful of a statement that I want us to start grabbing it for what it is, where God is telling us that in the worst of moments, in the most difficult of situations, in the hardest times that you are asked to follow, and even in the best of times when you are asked to follow, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That's what Paul's saying. He's like, it doesn't matter what the opposition is It doesn't matter what the mountain is It doesn't matter all the lists that you want to make on why you can't do it Or why you're going to fail Jesus says, would you stop focusing on you and focus on me Because you can do all things through me Who gives you strength That's what Paul's saying here Now let's get a little little more weight to what Paul's saying here Because some of us might not know a lot about the life of Paul So let's look a little bit at the life of Paul So, this is a a three-slider here because this is a lot that Paul says before I'll tell you where it's at. But he says, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in cities, in the deserts, on the seas. And I have faced dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. But hold on, before we move on from that. When Paul says he's facing dangers, he's not talking about they were rude to me. He's not talking about, oh, I had to listen to somebody come down on my beliefs on Facebook. Right? He's not talking about that. When he says, I face dangers, he's like, these people wanted to kill me. These people tried to kill me. These people were literally wanting to take my life. That's what Paul's talking about. Again, he's not talking about, man, they were rude to me because of my faith. He's talking about some very serious stuff because he goes on. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped, times without number. Hear that for a second. You know what he's saying? (laughs) I quit counting. That's what Paul's saying. It happened so many times, I quit counting. Right? And faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once, spent a whole night... And a day adrift at sea Now I want to just mention this first time I saw the ocean was when we went to Florida, right? I was out there wading, you know, having fun You know, hitting the, letting the waves hit me Got a little braver and braver Went out a little bit farther and a little bit farther All of a sudden this big wave hit me and sucked me out a little bit And the, the floor was gone I don't know about you, but that was like sheer panic Because it's like, wait a minute I was in water up to here And now I can't find the ground Right? I can't even imagine what it would be like Out adrift at sea for a whole night so I'm, just, I'm just putting this in the context here. I freaked out when I lost the ground for like five minutes trying to swim back to shore. He's adrift at sea for an entire night. He goes on. He says, I have worked, harder, uh, I worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Do you hear what Paul's saying here? I'm running to keep up with Jesus, and there have been moments in my life where running to keep up with Jesus has sucked. That's what he's saying. I've gone through some horrific things. But Paul's also the guy that told us, rejoice always. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This are the things that Paul says. Now, I want, to see, I want you to see a couple other verses that Paul says that I think is just amazing. Notice this one. Paul says this. He says... <laughs> for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh them all. Paul's attitude was like, you know what, I've had to go through a lot of this hardship, but you know what? Those are just light and momentary. Like he's like, they're not even worth, they're just light. The dude just got done talking about being whipped and beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and hungry and thirsty and freezing to death in the middle of the night. He just got and he's like, Oh yeah, that light stuff. That's nothing compared to the glory The glory that's being achieved through this Outweighs all that stuff That means nothing Notice what Paul also says Uh, This is one of my my favorite things that Paul ever said He says, I consider that our present sufferings Are not worth comparing with the glory That will be revealed in us He's talking about our future glory When we're in the presence of Jesus And Paul's like, listen, it's not even worth talking about All the junk that I had to go through I'm going to be really blunt I'm really good at complaining Anybody else good at complaining? I'm good at complaining I'm good to sit down and say Let me tell you about all the reasons my life is so hard Let me tell you about all the reasons That it just struggles And and, and don't get me wrong, I get it I'm not trying to bring anybody's stuff down I'm trying to change perspective here If anybody had a right to complain I think Paul had a right to complain I think Paul could have complained after he got stoned Like are you kidding me? But Paul's attitude was, that, that's, that's not even worth talking about. Let's not even talk about that. That's, uh, uh, that's not even worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed when I stand before the presence of Jesus. How often do we get sucked into the negative of life and we want to complain about the condition of life and we want to say all the reasons we're uncomfortable or we're not happy or all the reasons we don't like where Jesus is leading us instead of having the attitude of Paul that says, you know what, let's not even talk about that when we compare it to the glory that's going to be revealed in us when we stand before Jesus. I want us to think about this for a moment. Some of us might be struggling again with this idea of, of two services and I get it It's different, it's, maybe you're not used to it You're scared, whatever, I get it But can I tell you something The discomfort of change Doesn't even come close to the glory That's going to be revealed of all the people That are going come to come to know Jesus through the church did you, did you hear me for a second My discomfort Doesn't even compare To the people that are going to come to know Jesus Through the church they're not even worth comparing with each other. I was thinking about this because Matt made a reference just this morning, and I don't remember what the reference was, but I'm going to give you again, distracted, but it was a good distraction. I had a thought. He said something along the lines of discomfort. He said something about retirement. Some, somehow I started thinking about retirements, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I want to be comfortable in life. I get that. I'm not trying to say throw away anything, but if Jesus ever asked me, well, he actually did. This merger actually put me in a place where I thought I was going to lose my pension. I was wrestling with that. Like, God, I'm going to lose part of my retirement because they're going to kick me out and I'm going to lose it all. And I wrestled with that. But can I ask you a question? If God ever asked you to do something that puts your financial security on the line, let me ask you a question. How much is one life worth in glory? Hear me. If God asked you, put your financial future on the line, but I'm going to use you to bring people to know Jesus, to bring people into eternity, how much is one life worth? Is one life worth giving up maybe our retirement? Is two lives worth it? Is five lives? Is 10 lives? What's the number? We're talking about eternity here, right? Where does our comfort end and the glory that's gonna be revealed in us begin? This is a question that we all have to wrestle with. So here's the question. How is it that Paul and the apostles and Polycarp and Bonhoeffer and countless other men and women have joyfully denied their own comfort and even given their lives in order to keep up with Jesus? How is it that they do this? Why would they ever do that? Jesus wins. Jesus wins. That's it. Paul understood that, Paul knew that, Bonhoeffer understood that, Polycarp understood that. He said, listen, you may be able to take my life, but you can't change the fact that Jesus wins. You may be able to take my comfort, you may be able to take my safety, you may, you may be able to make my life hell on earth. But there's never going to come a day where this spirit and this person that I am is ever going to step into hell, in it's reality, because Jesus wins. That's how we're able to run to keep up with Jesus Because we're running with the winner He's taking us to places where he is already victorious He's taking us to places that he's already won the battle He is not confused on where he's going and why he's going there He's going there because he's won And that's why he invites us to say come with me So my question that I have for us, and man, my time went way faster than I wanted because I have a whole other section I want to, that's like part two. Someday I'll do it. But here's the deal. The challenge I want to have for us is, what was your reaction? And this is just a question for you to ask yourself. What was your reaction to when I just put that slide up there and I said the words, Jesus wins? What I want to challenge us for a moment was, hopefully there was a part of you that, Got a little excited Hopefully there was The spirit of God in you Doing some cartwheels saying that's right I win And I'm in you And you're part of me and I'm part of you And we win Get excited about it If ever there was a moment for there to be like A big just like wave of amen It was when I said Jesus wins I will, but i got to wait where you're not ready. (laughs) Because then it's like forced. But I'm serious with this. Before we end, I'm going to challenge us with this. Was there any part of you that got excited at the truth that he wins? If not, and hear hear me, I'm not judging. I'm not coming down. I'm, I'm challenging where we're at. If not... Then hear me on this I'm not trying to come down on anybody I love you and that's why I'm saying this If you did not get excited Even a little part of you I'm not saying everything in you had to be like Whoo! I'm saying Even if there was just not even this little speck of you inside That got excited I want to challenge something in you I want to challenge the idea that Is it possible that the spirit of God isn't even in you? Because the spirit of God can't help but rejoice When he hears, He wins I'm not saying this again to come down on anybody. I'm challenging us to say, don't grow up in church thinking you're good with God, and you can't get excited about the victory that is yours in Jesus. And again, I'm challenging us to say again, you might not be one of these people that's just like, I want to shout out hallelujah. I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a part of you, because here's the deal, sometimes I've done it, we can, we can bury the spirit of God in us with other things, but he's still in there if we're truly followers and believers in Jesus. He's going to be the one that's going to start turning around and getting excited and saying, this is awesome. I want you to understand this. Unleash me in your life. That's what the Spirit of God wants more than anything. Unleash me in your life. You're burying me. Unleash me. So some of us are in that place that maybe this core value it resonates with you, but the Spirit of God's like, you need to unchain me. You, you, you're holy. Don't quench me. You're quenching me. You're burying me. You need to unleash me because you can't run to keep up with Jesus and keep me shoved back in the back corner. You need to let me take control here. Some of you, that's where you're at. But again, I want to talk to the ones just again for the moment that if there wasn't a part of you that got excited, is it possible the Spirit of God isn't even in you yet? And if not, you don't have an unleashing problem. You have a salvation problem. And don't anybody sit here right now going, how dare you say that to me? I've been in the church for X amount of years. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care if mommy and daddy were Christians. I don't care. None of that puts the spirit of God in you. Only repentance and putting your faith in Jesus And handing your life over to him That puts the spirit of God in you So again I challenge us with that Does it excite you Even a small part of you That Jesus wins And because of that you win And are we ready to be the church And people that unleash him And say man I'm running to keep up with you Jesus And I'm going to go Wherever you tell me to go because you're worthy and you're worth it and you're awesome And I love you and I can't wait to see what you're going to do So hey Let's have the praise team come up As they come Let's just close with a, a moment of prayer And I want you just for a moment Just for the next couple of seconds I want you to just kind of evaluate where you're, Where's your excitement level with this Are you excited Are you ready Are you like man I am ready to unchain the Holy Spirit in me And I am ready to run I like that Jesus calls us to spiritually run after him. We're not talking physical. So everybody can do it. We're talking spiritual here. Are you ready to run spiritually and keep up with Jesus and go wherever he's going to call you to go as an individual and us as a church? Lord God, speak to us. Continue to speak to us this morning. Let us know that you are victorious. If we struggle with that, then make it clear. You win. Jesus, you are victorious. The cross, that is the place where you destroyed sin. You destroyed death. You destroyed its power. It is through the the resurrection of Jesus that you destroyed death, and you say, I am giving you new life. You are new creations in me. I am giving you glory. I'm giving you righteousness. I'm giving you holiness. I am calling you to follow me. Follow me through the cross. Die to your comfort. Die to yourself. Die to your desires and what you want. Die to all of those things. Come to the cross and do those things. But discover that you can truly live in a way that you've never lived before. Discover a life that the world will never be able to give you. The world and all of its lies will never be able to fulfill the truth of the life that Jesus offers. Lord, let us get excited about that. Let us chase after it. Let us just proclaim with everything that we have that you win. And we are excited to follow you, Lord. We give you praise and we thank you. In your name name we pray, amen.